So we're in Acts, we're in chapter 1, we've just started. And after his death, Jesus presented himself alive. Alive to 120 people, the 12 and others, in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face meetings, he talked to them about one thing. Things concerning the kingdom of God. Because that was the message of Jesus. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. So near, you can reach out and get a hold of it. The kingdom can get a hold of you. The kingdom can be within you. It's available now. That was his message. So he's explained that this is his last sermon series, if you want to look at it that way. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And as they met and they ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised. The promise you heard from me. John baptized in water. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And soon. And while they waited... They came together for the last time. And someone in the crowd asked, Well, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And Jesus told them, You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. Dunamis. Dynamite. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And with that power, you will be my witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, all over Samaria, yes, even to the ends of the earth. So what Jesus began, last week we talked about, what did Jesus begin? Well, he began to tell the message of the kingdom of God. He, there was an announcement. Repent. Change the way you think. Change the course of your life because the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, the dignity and power of God is here on earth. Near, spatially near, not temporally, but so near you can, you, can, you can enter this kingdom. You can come under the dignified and the powerful rule of God. And he made that announcement by, by doing. He showed the deeds of the kingdom. He did stuff that displayed what does it look like when God is in the room with us with his power, and with his dignity ruling. Well, one of the things he did very commonly was those that were sick were healed. Last week we ended our time praying for each other. We're going to do it again. We're going to keep doing that. I want you to know that someone that we prayed for last week called me and said, you know, you prayed for my herniated disc. And I woke up Monday morning for the first time and I don't know how long I was without pain. 
last Sunday, right here, Jesus demonstrated the power of his kingdom by touching somebody physically. And they knew it. They woke up Monday morning without pain. I didn't follow up, you know. I, I would have loved for them to be here today. They could have told you themselves. I'll follow up. If it's hurting again, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray again. Somebody prayed for my eye. The redness in my eye began. It's not gone yet. Guess what? I'm really tired of eye drops. So I want you to pray for me. And we want, we want Jesus to demonstrate that he sets things right when things go wrong in our physical body. And he wants us to pray for each other. And the other thing is he wants us to live lives free from the harassment of darkness. I mean, those are the two things that Jesus did again and again and again to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, and he dealt with demons. He set people free from the dominion of darkness, from oppression. Again, we, we, as a community of people that say we believe in this good news of the kingdom, we got to regularly pray for each other. All of us that are in community group, I mean, I, in many ways, I see the kingdom demonstrated more in our small group than I do on a Sunday morning. We've dealt with demons on Sunday morning in homes. We've gone and people have asked us to come. <laughs> this little invitation for, for Nate, there's this spirit that lives in Nate's house, if you haven't heard about that. Those in his small group, you need to go pray for him and that household for Dorothy to leave. Dottie, thank you. Not you, Dorothy. <laughs> These things are, I mean... The Bible is not, it's not like, and I know it seems like it's from another time and another place, but the things in the Bible are just as real today. And so there are demons that still hang out. You and I, we, we have encounters with darkness. There are times that I feel very oppressed. And when I feel oppressed, I need to be able to come to a community of people and say, you know, I'm really being harassed by the evil one. And I don't need people to say, well, you dirty, sorry sinner, what are you doing? I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just living life. And I need help. But even if I was doing something that was inviting darkness, I still need people to say, well, okay, let's deal with that too. That we are com- This community of people, God wants to demonstrate his kingdom. So Jesus did it. He did something first, and then he explained it. That's what his teaching was to explain. And then he taught about the kingdom in parables. The kingdom of God is like. So he really made us dependent upon, well, what does that mean? You've got to ask the Holy Spirit. You've got to ask each other to find out. So Jesus began to tell this message of the kingdom. And then the 120 that were with in Acts, they're supposed to continue what Jesus was doing. They're supposed to be continuing doing the deeds of the kingdom and explaining those deeds, the message of the kingdom, is still being told. Jesus says in this passage, I I need you guys, before you start doing what I'm doing, you need to wait. It's back to this promise. Jesus told them they they were on no account to leave Jerusalem. They must wait for what the Father promised. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon... So that promise that they heard from Jesus, they heard that in a couple of ways. One, every time John the Baptist 
is about to baptize Jesus, the beginning of every gospel, you, you read something like this. This is from John. The one who authorized me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and stay, this one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that one is Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism in the form of a dove. And Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized by John in water, immersed. He was immersed by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized both by water and by the Spirit. And he's saying, what happened to me is going to happen to you. He says later in John, I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. And this friend is the Spirit of truth. This friend is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying the promise of the Father is that you will be filled from above with all that the Holy Spirit can pour into your lives. You will receive a friend, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, so that you're never going to be alone. And that, that one who comes, he's going to be your friend, He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be your convictor. There's so many promises about who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And so those are the promises that Jesus is saying, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so so they say, okay, but they have to wait. And I think just like us, I don't think they enjoyed waiting any more than we enjoy waiting. Wait. He did attach. It'll be soon. But, you know, what is soon with Jesus? You know, what is soon with God? That can be like 10,000 years. What do you mean soon? Soon, wait. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, will come. And all of you, all 120 of you, back then, will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So as they're waiting, the last time they get together, one of the 120 says, well, I mean, we're kind of waiting for the promise to happen, but so I'm just curious, are, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And that that's kind of seems a little out of sorts with where we are, though. If you think about it, the disciples, I think, were wondering, how, how is this kingdom of God that you're describing, how will that impact Israel? And I think part of Jesus' teaching, and we could do this sometime to be really fun, the kingdom of God is not just a New Testament idea. The kingdom of God starts, I mean, at the beginning. It goes from Genesis to Revelation. This has been the big thing God's been wanting to do all along, is to rule and reign among His people among his creation. And so I think they, you know, as Jesus is taught, they just, they're just thinking, well, gosh. The basic nuance of that question is, is this the time for the kingdom of Israel to be restored to an earlier condition? And I think really what was foremost in the disciples' mind was out from under the occupation of the Roman Empire. 
the historical, I mean, it's, there's a fascinating thing here. Some of us could dig in and find this. The historical context for that question is in, in ancient oriental doctrine, and I don't know where that is, but I'm going to find it. it. There was this anticipation. The dissolving eons, that would be the, the periods of time, the eons are going to dissolve, and the saving restoration of all things to their original condition as created. So somewhere within oriental thought, and do you, do you realize Hebrew is oriental thought? Hebrew is, is an oriental language. So within eastern thought, for, for a long time, from antiquity, humanity has been living with this. You know, there's going to be a day when this present age that I'm living, this is going to fade away, and then, and then God's going to restore everything to its original meant condition. So there was this anticipation, this expectation, and it got expressed in different ways. Cosmologically, some people's worldview was God's going to renew the world someday. I don't know when, but someday. Politically, God's going to reconstitute a state. Biblically, if you, if you go back in the Old Testament, there were times that Israel was in the land. There were times that Israel was not in the land. They were in the land. Why? Because they were obedient to the Mosaic covenant. Possession of the land was conditioned upon their behavior. If they obeyed, they stayed. When they disobeyed, they were ushered out until a period of repentance. Then they were brought back into the land. I mean, that's the story of the Mosaic Covenant. And so they're living with this. There's going to be a day, biblically, the restoration of Israel to its own own land by Adonai, the Lord. The Lord will restore Israel after judgments. That was a lie. And then messianically, as Messiah was anticipated... Well, Messiah will restore Israel politically. So that was the big hope in the day. So the question of the reestablishment of Israel has been asked for a long time, like from the beginning of the church. <laughs> and is this the time? Is it, well, look at Jesus' answer. I've given you a quote. The answer to the disciples' question is worth noting. For though it forbids inquisitive investigation of the times and the seasons, it's not for you to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. Jesus' answer does not repudiate the expectation as, as such, but simply deprives it of political significance and refers to the pneumatic sphere. In my words, Jesus is saying, hey, something better then political realignment is about to happen. The kingdom of God is going to transcend all politics. The kingdom of God is going to transcend all nationalism. The kingdom of God is going to be important for every nation on this globe. Something bigger than one nation is about to impact that nation, the neighbors of that nation, and the whole whole globe. And how's that going to happen? 
going to happen because the Father alone has the authority. To set those dates and times are not for, for you to know, but this is what's going to happen. You all, all of you, all 120 of you right now, or all of you over all of time that will follow me, you will receive power. You will receive power. You all will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and with that power, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. You will tell my story. You will continue doing what I've been doing, announcing the message of the kingdom, doing the works of the kingdom, explaining the kingdom through teaching. And you're going to do that in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, yes, and even to the ends of the earth, including New Braunfels, Texas. As one commentator says, he endows his disciples with this power and they continue his activity in his place. So Jesus ascends to heaven and he leaves the church to do what he has been doing. Now when you begin to consider what they've been doing and what we will be doing and what we have been doing, it becomes a little bit staggering because the power to continue his activity is the power to announce the kingdom of God. It's the power to demonstrate the kingdom with the deeds of the kingdom. It's the power to teach the kingdom. It's the power to invite others to repent and enter the kingdom. It is the power to live in a new community. It's the power to build up that new community. Edification. It's the power to protect and preserve the community. It's the power to love both those in the community and those outside of the community and even those that are your enemies. My friends, that is power. It is power to transform the behavior. All of us have to be transformed from the inside out. It's the power of the resurrection. There is a power that we do not possess that can only come from the Holy Spirit who comes upon us. And until that power comes upon us, none of this can happen. These things happen only because we, the followers of Jesus, are endowed with His power. We can't do this in our own strength. We, we can't do this in our own wisdom. This dynamic force has to overwhelm us. We have to be immersed. So, I mean, that, that really is what leads me to just ask some questions. Have we received the promise and the power? Now, each of us 
individually need to answer that question. But again, I want to remind you the context of Jesus asking that question or making that was with a group of people. So Jesus' interest was not, there's going to be just one of you that becomes like me. His interest was, all of you are going to become like me. Matter of fact, it's going to take all of you to kind of replicate me. So are we, that's the question, are we, are we a community who has received the, the promise and the power? It's the same thing. Have we received the Holy Spirit? Well, one way to answer that is, are we continuing the activity of Jesus in our town? Or the towns around us? And so then the answer, if we're not announcing the kingdom to New Braunfels, to San Marcos, to San Antonio, to Austin, to Schertz, to Cibolo, if we're not announcing the kingdom, if we're not demonstrating the kingdom, if we're not teaching about the kingdom, talking about the kingdom, if we're not able to invite people with this compelling invitation to follow Jesus with us, Guess what? We're not relying upon the Holy Spirit. I mean, so it really brings me, Holy Spirit, come upon us. Holy Spirit, come upon us. We're the most unique people on the planet. And Jesus has given us a pretty big assignment. And we can't do it in and of our own selves. As much as we value community, we can't maintain community without the Holy Spirit coming upon us. I found a quote, I love it, I didn't write it down. But the thing that, that motivated the, the, the apostles the most in this study of Acts, in our history, is the establishment of community. And then how did they maintain that community? And how did they protect and preserve that community? And how did they edify that community? They did it because they were men and women filled with the Holy Spirit. Not in their own strength. The Holy Spirit come upon us. I don't know of another prayer for us to pray for us. And then I would, you know, I would broaden it out. Oh God, would the Holy Spirit come upon the church? See, we're gonna we're gonna read about a, a about a group of people that in a very short time is going to grow to about 10,000 people that turned Jerusalem upside down. And they lived in good favor with the people around us. I'm really concerned about the reputation of the church. 
Because I don't think we're, I don't think people think that, you know, that big a deal is happening with us. Why is that? It's what the Holy Spirit's not upon us. It just comes down that the Holy Spirit's not on us. The Holy Spirit's not empowering us. I mean, I thought back to my seminary training, my evangelism class. Here are your 10 tracks. So you go, go out and distribute these 10 tracks. Do you, do you know how effective it is to give it? Here's a track. You know how effective that is? Without the Holy Spirit, it does nothing. It can infuriate somebody. Like, if any of you have that fake dollar bill and you drop that on the table for the, the, the waitress, I mean, that is like infuriates people. Did you, know, did you all know that? You don't do that. That's not in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is some sick way to get somebody's attention. They say, I've seen that before, and that really makes me mad. I'm offended. But we keep doing that kind of stuff. Why? See, you gave the track back. Because the Holy Spirit is not upon us. We, we can talk about how to share the good news. We can, we can talk about, well, here's some things in general, to, you know, a way to talk about the good news. But, you know, in the moment, guess what? It's got to be the Holy Spirit that empowers each one of us to share this story of Jesus. I've talked about this young guy that I got to meet who he raised in secular family. Not anti at all. But it was in a really bad place. And as I spent hours, literally hours with him, six weeks, three hours a week, just listening, I I just had this sense of the Holy Spirit saying, Don't, you know, don't take, don't, he's really vulnerable. Don't take advantage of that. Wait, 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 wait. You know, and I've had all that, you know, well, if he dies tonight, he'll go to hell. You know, no, there's a bigger God than that. Wait. And then when the time came to talk to him about Jesus, it was so natural, and he was so receptive, and the result was, you know, I'm going to start talking to Jesus. I started talking. Were you going to listen? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll try to listen. I don't really know what his voice sounds like. Well, okay, but it's going to sound a lot like your own. When the Holy Spirit empowers us, we have these encounters with people that God's in charge of. That's the kind of community we want to be. Holy Spirit, come upon us. I truly believe the kingdom is among us. We welcome the king every time we get together. We acknowledge the king. Let me, again, just a little coaching there was a track that says, you know, you need to invite Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart. What kind of king is that? You ever thought about that? Time out. <laughs> he's either the king or he's not the king. And I'm not in charge of that. So I think it is, I repent, I get off my throne, welcome Jesus, have mercy on me. 
You see the difference? We acknowledge that he's the king. And when we see him in his dignity and his power, there's nothing we can do other than I, 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 I surrender and I welcome you. We welcome Jesus into this room as our king. We want his dignity and his power to be at work among us. May the Holy Spirit come upon us with power that we can continue the ministry of Jesus on our, on our street, in our neighborhood, in our town, and then we get to go out around. So could we stand together? It's just going to be a really simple prayer. Jesus, it's real easy for me to say these words. But in saying these words, they mean nothing if you don't engage us. Jesus, as you announce your kingdom, the first thing you say is, is repent. Repent. I don't know exactly what that means for us today. But I know there is a way that you can change the direction of our lives. We're going one way, and you turn us around to go the other way. It's a change in the way we perceive things. It's, the, it's a change in the way we see things. And I think as a people, as a community, we want, to be a, we want to be a community that repents. So come, Holy Spirit, just come and, and just help us recognize in our lives where we need to repent. Where we need to change our thoughts. Where we need to change our direction. Jesus, I announce today that the kingdom of God is here. It's within our reach. Your power and your dignity is among us. And I acknowledge to you, Jesus, that for us to live out that message 
the Holy Spirit must be upon us. The power that the Holy Spirit can bring into our lives so that we can actually follow must come upon us. And I don't know any way to activate that other than to say, come Holy Spirit, come upon us. Endue us with the same power that you endued the first followers of Jesus. That we would be your witnesses, effective witnesses, to our town, to our state, to our nation, and to the nations of the world. And we don't actually, I mean, there, there's not, we, we might feel nothing in praying that prayer. And so one of the ways we confirm whether or not that power is there is we like we pray for each other. Like, I want to invite whoever wants to pray for me that the redness of my eye would go away. I would love for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated in my eye. It's gone, no more. Others of you may likewise be struggling with something physically. There may be be an illness, a sickness. It can be emotional. It can be physical. We, we want, again, if the Holy Spirit is upon us, if the Holy Spirit's endued us with power, then we can do the deeds of the kingdom, and that includes healing the sick. Some of us may really be under a cloud of darkness, and we, we want to be set free. Again, the power that comes upon us is practical. It, it, it is applied to life together. And then beyond that, it's people outside this room. But this is a great way for us to, well, is there power? So is anybody like me, anybody else have any kind of sickness? Okay, we've got Kate. We've got Bryant. Who? Okay, we have people that are, okay. All right, any of us like me kind of just at times overwhelmed by darkness and really just need to be fortified to, to hold the ground against, okay? Okay? All right, so those of you that are holding your hand, keep your hand up, and the rest of us, right? Can you keep that hand up? Yeah. Oh, that's not the one that's hurt. Okay. We just want to rally around the other people, and this is what I, this, just do this. Announce the kingdom and pray for the healing of the sick or the setting of captives free. Let's see if the power that we're reading about is actually in us, through us, doing what Jesus wants us to do. If it happens in this room, guess what? We get to do that with our neighbors. Okay? All right. Okay, keep your hand up. Rally around each other. Pray for each other. That's the way we'll end. Okay? Thank you.